Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth, where we're exploring all sorts of business topics. Experts from around the world join me, your host, Diane Helbig, for a conversation where they share their expertise with all of you. Take what you need, when you need it. Featured on Inc.com, Forbes, and MSNBC's Your Business, this podcast is recognized as one of the best podcasts for small business, sales, leadership, social media, and more. When it comes to business, Accelerate Your Business Growth has got it covered. And now on with the show. My guest today is Jason Barnard. Jason is the CEO of Kelly Cube. He's also an entrepreneur, author, and digital marketer who specializes in brand SERP optimization and knowledge panel management. Jason uses the pseudonym, the brand SERP guy for his professional work. Thanks so much for joining me today, Jason. It's an absolute pleasure, Diane. I am thrilled to have you here. We're going to be talking about SEO, and and my listeners know that um, (laughs) I am probably just as confused and frustrated as they are when it comes to SEO, so it ends up being one of my favorite topics. Okay. My job here today is to de-frighten you, make you feel comfortable with Google and what you can do with Google, um, and the fact that SEO is no longer purely for geeks. Nice. All right. So talk to us about what Google's primary aim really is, please. That's a great starting question. I generally start with the wrong things, and that's exactly the right thing to start with. Google's fundamental aim is to get its user to the solution to their problem or the answer to their question as efficiently as possible. Because when somebody searches on Google, they're expressing a problem to which they're looking for the answer, or sorry, they're looking for the solution to a problem or the answer to a question. So that's all Google is trying to do. And from our perspective, as marketers, we need to help Google get its users to our solution as efficiently as possible. Oh, my gosh, I love that. (laughs) Seriously, I've never heard it put that clearly before. Yeah, I I got a bit stuck in the middle there, but yeah, uh, exactly. And another interesting point to remember is people are using Google because they trust Google. If Google puts you at the top of the results, then it's recommending you as the best solution to that user's problem. So you need to convince Google that A, you have the solution, B, that you're the most credible solution. Ah. And the important other important thing to remember is your audience is a subset of Google's users. Not all of Google's users are your audience. So you also need to help Google understand which people in its user base are, in fact, your true audience and who you can truly serve. Okay. And so... A lot of people think that this, you know, whole SEO idea is like 80% code and 20% marketing. Is that really true? Used to be. Yep. Um, It was for years and years and years, and it's actually now flipped completely. And it's now 80% marketing and 20% code. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were asking that because you knew the answer. You were, uh, you were setting up for a great question. 
No, I do not. Oh, you're a very good actress. We can probably as well. So, <laughs> I, I, right, I'm setting you up. Um, okay, so but talk to us about that. So, right, that yeah, feels like I, the good news. It is. It's great news. Um, SEO has traditionally been, let's just say, counting words and counting links to websites. That's how Google figured it out before. It said, if this page has got a certain weighting of words in it, then I know it's about that topic. And if it's got a lot of links coming from other sites, I know that it's a good website, but it's actually just popular. Um, mm. That's how Google functioned for years. And the way that we all perceived it was that it had to be perfect technically in terms of the site speed, in terms of the way the page was built, in terms of how we presented the text on the page, and especially the mathematical formulas that you needed to count the words correctly to match Google's algorithms. That was when Google's algorithms were written by human beings. So as human beings, we could figure out what the human beings thought was a good balance of words and what was a good balance of links and so on and so forth. Okay. But today, the algorithms are all machine learning. So human beings aren't writing them. What they've done is they said to the machine, here is what we want you to achieve. Here is the data that you need to figure out how to achieve it. Here are the tools you need to achieve it. Go and figure it out. So the humans at Google don't know what's in the machine in detail. They do know what the machine contains uh, overall because they program the initial starting point. But that now means that the simplicity of counting words and counting links no longer applies. Okay. And what the machine is trying to do is understand who you are, what you do, and which audience you serve, figure out if you're credible as a solution, and figure out if you actually have the correct solution. Which means that from a branding and marketing perspective, you now need to demonstrate very clearly or explain very clearly to Google who you are, what you do, and which audience you serve in a page your about page, your product pages, all of your pages of your website, on your social media profiles where it goes to check this information. You need to explain exactly who you are, what you do, and which audience you can serve so that it can understand which people it can send to you. That just means writing clearly. It doesn't mean counting the number of words. One mention of a word is enough if that word is sufficiently relevant to that particular context. So you're writing for humans and just tweaking it slightly to make it slightly simpler so the machine can understand it. So if it understands you, you're already on a great footing. And then convince it of your credibility. And that's traditional marketing. It's reviews on trusted sites like Trustpilot, reviews on Facebook, uh, user feedback on forums, engagement on social media, um, user-generated content, i.e. the comments on your blog pages, all of that are signals of your credibility that the, your audience appreciate you. Additionally, inbound links is credibility. It's other sites saying that you're a great resource. Your peers sharing your content, talking about you, mentioning you, that's a great sign of credibility. So you need to build on credibility, as you can hear there. All I've talked about so far is explaining who you are in a text, demonstrating or convincing you of your credibility, all of which is just good marketing. Wow. Okay. Ben, I'll finish with the deliverability. Okay. Is the deliverability is not the geeky thing that you would think it is. It is the content suitable for purpose. 
does it serve the purpose of the problem, of solving the problem that the user has? Is my content deliverable means does it solve the problem? Yes or no? Marketing. Okay. What do you say to people who, I mean, I, I think this is great. It makes perfect sense to me. And as you were talking about it, I was hearing those people who say, who, who struggle with being very clear about who they are and oh. what they <laughs> offer because they're either they don't really have a clear grasp on it or they're afraid they're going to miss something yes. that someone's going to want. That's a great question as well, because I mean, I laugh because we all have that problem. I have that problem. Um, and I've been sorting out over the last few months. Uh, and I have both of those problems, in fact, of trying to reach everybody and therefore reaching nobody, yeah. uh, not explaining myself clearly because I was trying to reach everybody and say everything all at once. Um, and I worked with a, a lady called Tonya Eberhardt and uh, Michael Carr, who works with her, on my personal branding. Oh, they're going to be on this podcast. Oh, right. And they're brilliant. And they forced me to focus in on who am I and who am I trying to serve? What can I do for them? And going through that was hugely important, hugely helpful to me, because now I know who I'm trying to reach. And I don't bother trying to reach the other people who don't interest me and who aren't interested in me. Um, nice. And making sure that you've understood clearly who you are, who what you offer and to whom you can offer it. Um, is fundamentally important. And when we get clients at CaliCube, that's the first meeting we have. What are you talking about? Yeah. What are you offering? To whom are you offering? And why are you credible? That is a philosophical discussion, which is stunningly difficult to get an answer to. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to sit down. I mean, uh, you can take a professional like Tonya. You can come and work on board with Caliki. We can help you. You can also sit down with your customers. One thing, we were working with a German company for some outreach, and they said, you want agencies on your platform. We've got a SaaS platform called Caliki Pro. It's for agencies. You want agencies. What do agency, What problem do you solve for the agencies? And the answer is, I didn't really know because huh. I built the platform for myself. Ah, my work. And they said, well, why don't you ask? And I said, well, I'm a bit scared, to be honest. I don't want to hear 12 <laughs> people telling me that it doesn't work. Um, and I took the courage to do it. I talked to eight of the 12 agencies. And the feedback was astonishing. It completely changed my point of view of what it is we're actually offering and how we can help them. Because I was helping myself with my own platform, which was great. But that isn't how other people perceived it because they don't work in the same way that I do. So interviewing our client base was just as powerful, just as helpful as talking to Tonya. Um, and another thing, sitting down, uh, I live in the south of France, sitting on the terrace, having an aperitif in the afternoon, talking to some friends who know nothing about my business has also proved to be very helpful because it's a completely outside view. Ah, sure. Yeah, I get that. Yeah, and um, I think a, a lot of self-questioning thinking, mm -hmm. you know, what, what am I truly here for? What am I doing? Why am I doing it? Who am I serving? And what am I trying to achieve? What's my goal? Uh, difficult questions that I've really started to look into today, the, the, or today, in the last few months. And another thing is that I've got a team of 17 wonderful people. And... 
one of the team members just sat down and asked everybody, what do you see in Caliqui? Why are you here? What are we doing? What are we trying to achieve? What are we building? Obviously, it's my job as the founder and CEO to decide what our ultimate direction and destination are. But having their input helped me to understand how I can better uh, build our team to better serve the clients who I've interviewed um, right. on the other side. So bringing all that together, it's it's taken a lot of time. And it's, made, it's made me really tired. My <laughs> head hurts and it's painful, but it's necessary. Because it's so great on the other side of that, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yet, I think it was yesterday or the day before I was looking at something that happened. I mean, very not not very interesting. A, a moment of clarity when you search CaliCube, Google, its new generative AI comes up with the perfect description and the perfect follow-up questions because of the way we set up our entire understanding, credibility, and deliverability system. If we think back to what I was saying earlier on, we make sure Google understands who we are, what we do, and what we offer. It knows that we're a credible solution and we've got deliverable content that is useful to it and to its users. And so I looked at it, I just thought, yes, it's all come together. All of a sudden in this one screenshot, this is perfection. And I've been working two years to get here and it's been hugely painful. And all of a sudden I feel very comfortable and very serene about the future. Yeah, no kidding. That's got to feel great. Yeah. So then talk to me about packaging content for Google. And and is there any uh, content that is specifically for Google? Yeah. Well, yeah, two parts to that question. Um, very well put. Packaging is is, is where the, the tech aspect comes in and where okay. you need to start thinking about that. Um, because Google is a machine, it doesn't read the web pages the same way a human does. So you need to make sure you present it to Google in a way that makes it easy for Google to find the page, digest the page. So you're looking at a machine that needs some technical aspects to be correct. Okay. So if, for example, it can't find your page because there are no links to it, you're already lost the game. Uh, when it gets to the page, if it's incredibly slow or incredibly messy, it's going to struggle. It's not going to fail. It's going to struggle, and it, it won't reward you. And Fabrice Canal, who's the project manager for Bing, um, which is Microsoft's search engine, and he builds BingBot. He's the guy who builds it, hmm. said, "If the more you help us, the more we will reward you. So the more you make their life easy, the more they will reward you. But that doesn't mean to say if you make it slightly more difficult, they're going to penalize you. It just means you're at a slight disadvantage. Right. Because if ultimately, if your content is the absolute perfect solution, Google and Bing don't care about the, the, fun, the technical aspects that people will talk to you about all day long, which is site speed, core web vitals, um, service speed, whatever it might be. What it cares about is, is that the right solution for my audience? For, sorry, for the subset of my users who are your audience. Is it going to help them? Is it going to solve their problem efficiently? So ultimately, the big, big winner in the deliverability stakes is the one who has the most appropriate content for the problem. And the packaging for Google is to say, the, the better you package it, the better your chances. Then we come back a step and you ask the question, 
Um, is there content specifically Google for Google? The answer is yes and no, unfortunately, because one thing that I love to do and works very well is create an FAQ because Google's trying to understand. So if you create an FAQ section with one question answer per page, Google can figure out what questions people are asking around your business and it can better understand the needs of your audience and it will better understand which is your audience because it can match its understanding of its users to its understanding of the audience you're serving through that FAQ. But then again, if you've written a great FAQ section, what then happens is your users and your audience will go to the FAQ section and inform themselves about what they need to know about your company rather than calling your after-sales support or your pre-sales support, which then saves you um, resources in terms of human resources. So the FAQ that we're building would be primarily aimed at Google, but actually helps the users too. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. And if you've got a content, for example, a video on YouTube, you would, I would suggest you create a video because it's going to help your audience in some way, solve one of their problems, or provide information that's hugely useful to them. And then add subtitles. Um, in YouTube, you can just upload them. People can toggle them on and off. But if you add subtitles, Google will have analyzed the sound and it will have understood what was being said, but because of people's accents and because we're not clear, because we keep going back on ourselves and half saying a sentence and then moving forwards with the sentence, not quite in the same way we started, yeah. it will not really understand. It won't be confident in that understanding. But if you write subtitles and do a transcript and you correct it so that it's readable, you're making sure that, A, your audience who have sight impairment, for example, uh, sorry, hearing impairment, impairment can actually consume your content, but also creating a context where Google is reassured that it's understood and is sure that it's understood. And that's hugely important because we have the concept that Google understands what you're offering. It understands the solution you're offering, but is it confident, yes or no? And the more clues you give it, the more confident it will become the more confident it is, the more likely it will be to rec recommend you. So the idea of 
packaging to build confidence in Google's algorithmic brain is hugely important. And the packaging is lots of little points like subtitles, like using headings correctly in your web page, using links correctly, adding images, adding alt tags to images, which all sound, for me, reasonably simple. But each one, if you forget alt tags because you don't know what they are and they're too complicated, that's not going to kill your entire SEO strategy if you've done all the other things. Adding subtitles is not geeky. Well, it's, I mean, this is fascinating. I so appreciate this information, but it, it also sounds like it's a mix between what I can do fairly easily and what mm. I want um, a, a coder to make sure is correct. That's a very good way of putting it. Uh, the coder is there to support you to make sure it's all correct in place. And the coder shouldn't be there holding up your work. Right. And if you can create that situation, you're in a really good place. Um, and I know how frustrating it can be working with coders sometimes because they will put enormous importance on the, the speed of your web page and they won't let you move forward until they've sorted that out. You need to get that great content out there and get them to check that it actually functions. And that's the huge thing is getting the, the deliverable quality content that solves real user problem in front of Google and thus in front of your users. Okay. It, it, does it have greater value being on my website as opposed to LinkedIn? You need both. Um, okay. Google understands which is your LinkedIn account because you've linked to it from the footer in your website. So if you've got something on LinkedIn and then you repost it on your website, that's fine. Google knows it's yours. There's no problem. A lot of people talk about duplicate content. Yeah. Duplicate content is a false problem. Okay. It's a problem that was created because people would steal other people's content and pass it off as their own plagiarism. Huh? So duplicate content is a plagiarism problem. It's also a problem of which is the best content for my user. But we'll come to that in a moment. So the plagiarism problem is saying, well, if I don't know who actually created the, the content, it's a problem for me as Google because I want to credit the person who actually created the content initially. Okay. Therefore, you've got a situation where duplicate content is this huge, horrible beast. It's only a problem if people are stealing your content. And if they're stealing your content, you just need to make sure that Google's understood that you published it first. And generally speaking, these days it will. It's got algorithms built in that figure this stuff out. So you actually don't need to worry about it. Okay. The other problem with duplicate content is if I've got two pages on my website that serve exactly the same purpose, i.e. they solve exactly the same problem for my user, that's a problem because Google doesn't know which one to show. Oh. What Google will do is it will decide which one to show, and sometimes it gets it wrong. So there, all you're doing with the duplicate content issue is creating indecision in Google's brain, which is obviously not great, but it doesn't kill your entire strategy either. And you're your best bet is to be the decisive person. You say, right, okay, I've got these two pages. I will either choose one or I will merge them, uh, create one single page that actually solves the problem completely rather than two that half solve the problem. So I hope that answers the question in a reasonably clear manner. It does. I'm so glad that we just had that conversation because that whole <laughs> duplicate content thing, what it was something that um I, you know i know people have been 
told you can't have the same exact of your own content in two different places. Right. Yeah. And and if you take LinkedIn and your own website, there's no reason you shouldn't have exactly the same content on on both. And it's none of Google's business whether you do or not. If your audience is consuming on LinkedIn, that's great. And some of the audiences consuming on your own website, that's perfect too. Then the only question for Google is which one do I choose? Right. And that's Google's problem, not yours. Okay. Good. That makes it so much better. <laughs> I think uh, what, what I've learned, I've been doing SEO for 25 years. And I think there's a lot of creating pseudo problems that don't actually really exist and we don't really need to worry about. And what we try to do at CaliCube is focus on fixing the things that we do need to worry about and that we can influence, we can change. And um, I read some Confucius a few years ago and I had um, some mental health issues. And one of the things that really stuck with me is identify the things you can change and strive to change them in the way that you want them to change and identify the things you can't change and learn to live with them and accept them. Yeah, that's perfect. It's such a good point. Yeah. And, you know, if if I want to influence which page on my website Google chooses, then I should work to make that happen because I can influence that. Um, I can't influence what my users are searching or my audience is searching on Google, so I shouldn't worry about it. It's not something I can change, so I can appreciate that it exists and I can look at it, I can analyze it, and I can think about what it means to my business, but there's no point in me working actively to change that. Right, right, exactly. So lots of wasted energy, lots of wasted time, lots of wasted (laughs) resources, and from my perspective, we've got a, a process called the CaliCube process, which I've developed over the last 25 years, particularly over the last eight years. And one thing it does is focus on what resources do you have? What are your audience looking for? How can we project to Google that you have the right solutions? And how can we produce those right solutions with the resources you have? And that basically builds an entire digital strategy and an SEO strategy around the pragmatism of what can we change, what can we affect reasonably. If I don't have a high-level developer, then there's no point in me even trying to change or, or to solve a particular high-level technical problem. If I have an amazing content writer, let's go for content. If I've got somebody who makes amazing videos, let's make amazing videos. And we're going to leverage that because that's that's the resources we've got. It's really, it is so great because it it's relieving, right? I mean, I'm listening to this mm. and I'm thinking about the audience and thinking, I know for me, I'm listening and I'm thinking, wow, this is so great. So I don't need to spend time worrying about that stuff. Yeah. Great. And, and, and yeah, no, it, it's funny. It's sit down. It's like... Uh, identifying who you are and what you're offering to whom and why you're credible. It's what resources do I have and how can I use those resources to best serve my audience? And then once I've figured that out, how do I then package it for Google or produce it to Google uh, or produce it in a way that Google can actually use it? And as you go along, put to one side all of the things that you can't change and all of the things that will be hugely too difficult for you to change and focus on the things that you can affect day in, day out. Um, one other thing that I that does strike me is the frustration that things seem to move so slowly. 
And we started the CaliCube process on CaliCube.com two years ago. And it was painful. It started so painfully slowly. We created all this content. There didn't seem to be any return on the investment we've made in terms of the resources. Throughout year one, it was it felt like a huge, huge effort pushing this enormous boulder up the hill. Year two, it started, maybe we got to the top of the hill, and now we're doing 330% year-on-year growth in traffic from Google by approaching it from that perspective of my digital strategy is branding, marketing, SEO in that order. And my work for SEO is communicating to Google so it understands, convincing it of my credibility, and ensuring that I have deliverable content for the subset of its users who are truly my audience. Yeah, that that's so... Um clear and and specific and structured i love that yeah and you can quote me on it (laughs) i'm gonna um so yeah wow jason i I really this is so valuable this information um and you know i said at the beginning of this conversation that seo is this thing that drives a lot of small business owners crazy myself included uh, and part of what I so enjoy about this conversation is that I am learning about it in a in a way completely different from mm. other yeah. conversations I have had with people and and you know other uh, experts. So uh, it's yeah. crazy valuable. Brilliant. Yeah. No. I mean, I think as business owners and as marketers, we need to think. I need to solve my audience's problem. That's my role. Right. I need to figure out what content to create that does that and where I should put it online where my audience is gathering, be it LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, um, YouTube, whatever it might be. And I can also bring that same content onto my site. So you're talking about duplicate content. Here we've got duplicate content all over the place. I can repurpose it. I can change the format slightly because the audience on LinkedIn is going to consume slightly different to the one on my website. So the content isn't exactly the same or doesn't necessarily need to be exactly the same. It probably shouldn't be exactly the same simply because the people are consuming it differently. Right. And from there, I've got my audience absolutely served. Then all I need to do is figure out how to package it for Google. And that's actually the the second step in, in the process. But what I've just done here is marketing and branding that makes sense to my audience and my business. And then I can package it for Google. And boy, that is the key. It has to make sense to your audience. Yeah. And Google's the bonus. If it doesn't, right. if it if it does make business sense to do it, you probably shouldn't be doing it anyway. And relying on Google for your entire revenue stream is foolhardy. Yes. Yes, exactly. Oh mm, my gosh. Isn't that I, lovely? I, I've so enjoyed this conversation, Jason. I'm I'm so grateful that you are spending this time with us. Will you tell the listeners how they can find you? Yeah, if you Google my name, Jason Barnard, J-A-S-O-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D, or my company name, CaliCube, K-A-L-I-C-U-B-E, you will see what we call the brand SCRP, which you talked about earlier, the brand SERP, and that's the search engine results page, SERP, for a brand name or a personal name. That's your Google business card. When somebody is thinking about doing business with you, they will Google your name. What they see needs to be accurate, positive, and convincing. 
if you want to convert that client because that client is using Google because it trusts Google and Google's evaluation of who you are and how it represents you. So that's your Google business card. Mine is on J-A-S-O-N-B-A-R-N-A-R-D on Google search. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank I, you. I, I think you're just a very good actress. I am not. I oh. <laughs> never been one. I am not. I really. Well, you, you actually sound impressed and interested. So I kind of. I am impressed and interested. Oh, which is lovely. Have yeah. a lovely. Thank you. <laughs> I'm glad that's coming across. Oh, my gosh. Oh, thank you, listeners. Thank you. You are who we're doing this for. And may I say, this yeah. is one of those episodes that you're going to want to listen to a couple of times, take some notes, and do some implementing because valuable nuggets of information throughout this episode. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, a production of Evergreen Podcasts. Discover more episodes of this podcast and explore others at evergreenpodcast.com. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And if you're looking to get your sales strategy headed in the right direction, pick up a copy of Succeed Without Selling on Amazon or wherever books are sold. Until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.